0: So what we talk about on today's episode? Oh, it's beautiful. I feel like I had my marketing sister on the podcast. I have a dear friend, somebody I admire, I learn from, and we work together and stuff all the time. And we spent the entire episode breaking down marketing. We talked about the like, 10 biggest mistakes in detail that entrepreneurs and businesses make when it comes to marketing. We talked about how she went from running lemonade stands to one of the best marketing agencies in the business, how becoming pregnant at 19 and dropping out of college put the gas pedal down, and now she runs a team of 23 people. How you have to earn the right to focus. How your unwillingness to pivot will destroy your business. The 10 biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make with their marketing and their fulfillment. Your job is not to ask what they want. It's to ask what they're struggling to create the solution. We gave you a breakdown of a three-step model to go from nothing a customer journey or offer all on the podcast plus so much more and it was loaded and i'm not talking about loose information or vague i'm talking about step by step what do you do how do you do it why do you do it the questions to ask who to call what to ask on those things like it is huge i was taking notes and i'm so excited so without further ado let's get into the episode are you
1: ready to ethically scale your business good
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. And today, who are we blessed with? Another badass woman. The end. That's what I would start with, but there's so much more to do it. But for whatever reason, I am surrounded by driven, connected, heart-centered, badass women entrepreneurs that tend to figure out everything and be way better at it than me and most people, which is why I call them my friends. And so today, we have my friend Emily, who I've actually known and been connected to online for quite a few years. And we reconnected when we bumped into each other after I got a shot at a wellness clinic. And it was like, so good to see you. But she started her first business at 19 as a virtual assistant, pregnant, ended up going into the world of marketing, high-level strategy, funnels it done all by her and now has a massive team. And my favorite part is that she's not out here transacting with the world. She's inputting her heart, helping people unlock their true voice, being as transparent and authentic as possible and actually making an impact without any false promises. And so I couldn't be more stoked, more honored to have somebody who I highly respect in the world of marketing and everything that she does on the podcast. So I'd like to welcome Emily Hirsch to the show.
2: Yay. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, me too. I am beyond stoked. This is way overdue. And apparently the universe had the same thought when we bumped into each other. Yes, totally. (laughs) I love it. And by the way, everybody, I had no idea she lived in Austin, but I was in town for the event. I just left my friend's house. I was like, I need some glutathione. I need an NAD. And then I was like, I went and got a shot. And then I was walking by, I think, or she was walking by. and We made eye contact and gave each other that look. And I was like-
2: We did like a double take.
0: Yeah. And then I was like, are you Emily? And you're like, yeah, are you George? I'm like, yes, we are. And then the rest is history. And now we've been catching up and talking. So it's been incredible. So, yeah, so stoked to have you. So stoked to have you. So I am going to try to unpack- some of our initial conversations when we reconnected, because I was like, you're my friend. We see the world the same. Why haven't we done this sooner? And I think uh, you have such an interesting perspective because of the world that you're living where you help other people a little bit differently than me. Like I help them unlock their voice, but you help them amplify their voice and their business through paid media. And you kind of get to be the bridge between who they are and then how the world gets to see them to help people Mm -hmm. come into the world. And you did it all so aligned and heart-centered and cared about their impact. And so I love that and I can't wait to unpack it. Um, But what I would love is in your own version, uh, just kind of give us the overview of like, who is Emily? Where's Emily from? Like what even got Emily started as a VA? And then what that evolution went through just so we get some idea of like how we got here.
2: Yeah. So I'm a young entrepreneur, but have three kids and have like massively gone to a more um, up level up of my life fast. And so I, I've i always been an entrepreneur. I'm like the typical like lemonade stand, always had a business. I've actually never had a job. So I've always, you know, had that drive. And then when I was 19, I got pregnant and it was with my husband now. And so, you know, it was like, we knew we wanted kids. It was just earlier than we were initially planning. And that pushed me into, okay, I need to do something online. Cause I was like very adamant that I knew I needed to keep working because I just can't not work. Like it's so ingrained in me and I didn't want to give all that up to becoming a mom. And I know I wouldn't be happy and fulfilled doing that, but I also didn't want to have to send my new baby to daycare and we could not afford uh, We were in like an 800 square foot master bedroom basically when that happened. So That pushed me to the online world. And that was my first introduction. And I just started as a virtual assistant, basically saying yes to everything and saying like, yeah, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Like, I'll do that. And so that's what started my business. And with that came Facebook ads and marketing. And it was the same thing of like, yeah, I'll run your ads. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to do that, but I'll run your ads and I'll figure it out. And I, you know, started and it quickly grew, I think because of my drive and how hard I was able to work and just like persistence to the success. And I remember running like my first bigger campaign was for this like huge online summit when those were like really big seven years ago and everybody was doing them. And I just saw the impact that you could, you know, a successful marketing campaign, how many more people you could reach and then how many more people you could impact because of that reach and just how much faster your impact could happen and your growth could happen as a business. And so that was kind of the moment that I started pivoting to just Facebook ads and marketing and then I started just doing that and then I had my second like a couple years later and at that point I was like okay well I've grown this business to about like $15,000 a month all by myself and I need help like if I want to keep growing my business because now I'm a mom of two and so that kicked off uh growing my team which was five years ago And so now I have a team of 23 employees. I don't actually run the ads. I do all the CEO things now, but I still just love marketing. I love breaking it down so it's really simple for people and allow them to have that impact and have that success in their business that's possible with good marketing.
0: I love it. You and I have so many similarities. It blows my mind. Cause everyone's like, how'd you become a consultant? I was like, I said, yes. Yeah, And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, somebody asked me for advice. I gave it to them for free. And then they're like, how much do I owe you? I'm like, for what? And uh, they're yeah. like, for that. I'm like, why would you pay me for that? <laughs> and then they're like, bro, you should charge for this. And then Clay Bayer yeah. was like, pick a number. Tucker Bax so was like, double it till somebody says no. And I had the same ads thing too happen. Yeah. I was in a company and I never run a Facebook ad, but I understood the structure and what yeah. it should do. And they're like, hey, can you get our ads done with our team? I'm like, sure. And they gave me a $20 million budget. Oh my gosh! And so my first ever foray into paid media, I had $20 million of somebody else's money. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is going to work or I'm going to prison, basically. <laughs> and, and so I love hearing that. It kind of makes my heart happy. Now, yeah. when, did you, when did you discover, like, is, was it through becoming a virtual assistant that you realized, like, you loved marketing and figuring that out?
2: Yeah, it was. It was through like the different things I started doing related to marketing. And I realized for me, I think one of my unique pieces is I can just see marketing as as the customer journey, as an experience yeah. and not overcomplicate. It. It's like a funnel that's drawn out with 95 steps and it's so confusing and so overwhelming. And so I just instantly like, it was like, okay, this is what I meant to be doing. I just didn't know type of thing. And I'm able to just break down marketing. So it's really simple. And so that the everyday business owner can understand it and understand you're just trying to reach other people. And you're trying to create this experience for those people. Like at the end of the day, that's what marketing is. And so I think I realized how much I loved that. And also similar to you, it's like, I didn't realize I was good at it until people were like, whoa, this is really good. It's like, that, you just told me something in 20 minutes that would have taken me like a year to figure out. And that still kind of happens to me today. It's just natural. It's just, you know, when you're in flow and you're like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. That's what marketing is to me.
0: Yeah, I'd be really curious to hear kind of how you think you got into it. Like for me, like when I think about marketing or customer journey, I know why I know it so well. And it's because as a kid that like was homeless and grew up in a drug world and abuse, like I had to get things to survive. And it was never ill intention, but everything was always about like positioning or con- conversating or asking yeah. questions a certain way. And now I like fast forward to here and I was like, oh, that's why I'm so good at customer yeah. Care. Like yeah. I had to read people and yeah. understand what they were feeling. Like, do you know, like, where you got the proclivity? Because you're really good at it. And I'm always- Yeah,
2: that's such a good question that nobody's asked me. And I don't even know if I've thought about that. But you know, the first thing that comes to me is I like growing up, as with most entrepreneurs, I never fit in, right? Like I was the kid that was in school and I was like, Mom, get me out of school because it's a waste of time. I can do this in three hours and I'm sitting there for seven hours. Like I was in fourth grade and I came home and said that and was like, this is a waste of time. And so I just hate wasting time. And so I did have to like create like convincing arguments to do different things constantly because I wanted to always like blaze my own trail. And I did ultimately, like, you know, getting pregnant at 19, dropping out of college, like that was not what my parents wanted me to do. And that was an extreme example. But even growing up, I had to convince them, I don't want to go that path. I don't want to do it that way just because that's how you're supposed to. And so I think that I did have to create those compelling arguments, but I also think I'm naturally, like, I don't waste any time and I see things through that perspective. So I'm able to constantly know if something is valuable or not to the person receiving it and to give that high level of value and i i think i'm just wired that way because i for me like wasting time i just i can't and so i i make i'm able to make impactful marketing strategies i feel like because i'm seeing things like i have such high expectations for a delivery of something
0: yeah and then where do you think like that comes from for you like it's funny like you're over here like I hate wasting time and I'm like when I got into this I had to like kick myself in the ass to not waste time yeah and it's like such a different way like have you always kind of been like that driven of like every time matters like is that because you feel like you're really aligned to like a mission or a calling or like where do you get that from
2: yeah I mean I really do think I'm like slightly wired this way because it has been since I was little I am also the oldest of four so it's like I was the oldest I had to you know i I was the leader. I was like the one going out and doing things. Um, my parents definitely taught like ambition, and they're both ambitious, and they're both entrepreneurs. But I think that I, I just also have this value of like strive to be better than yesterday. And so it's for great. me, like I get so restless and uncomfortable if I'm not growing and I'm not moving forward like if I'm stagnant. And so I think that's where the wasting time comes from is because I associate that with like stagnation and not growing. And so, since I was a kid, I definitely, I mean, and probably there's part of that of like that got me recognition from yep. people, right? And like when you're blazing your own trail, you got to do the things that still get you recognition because you're not doing the the standard you know way of doing things. So that's probably there too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that 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 for sure. Because I was gonna ask you because like I think about a lot of like even what I do today. Like you know, people are calling me now and they're like, George, like I need to build better relationships with my customers. I'm like, oh, you mean like I told you eight years ago? And they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I remember, like, I felt like a crazy person. And then I'd have to like translate it down because it gets lonely, yeah. you know, just like yeah. carving that path. And 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 I do require a little bit of like edification or validation. And I think in the beginning, it was a little bit harder, but once it started working, I started getting it from the customers and from the people right. who were responding. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was like, it was almost like choosing to be a black sheep, which even in the world that we right. live in now, I still think you and I, and probably the five other people I can name off the top of my head, fully integrously, willingly wear that label because we stand for something different. We're like, hey, there's human beings on the other side of this. It can be aligned and it can make money. It can be consciously prosperous. And and I I love that. Now, I have a question for you. And this is kind of like a selfish personal question because you talked about it earlier and we have this in common as well. You're like, when I became a VA... I just kind of said yes to everything. So this yeah. is kind of like a two-parter. Yeah. Number one, I believe most people undervalue um, the value of practice and trying until you realize something sticks or doesn't stick. Like, yes, I think all too often, I see people all the time. They're like, well, this is my one thing, but I don't really like it. I'm like, well, what else have you tried? And they're like, well, nothing. Yeah. And it's like, I know when I became an entrepreneur, it was by accident. I was in the Marine Corps. I was getting you know, medically separated and that my whole retirement plan went out the window. And then I was food blogging as a hobby. And then I was like, I need to figure this out. But I didn't go read a book. I didn't go open YouTube videos. I asked people who were paying attention to me. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we'd love an ebook. And I'm like, crap, how do I make an ebook? And I didn't go like, read books. I'm like, what's the minimum way I can make the ebook to get the experience and then go? Is that how it was like for you as well? Like it was almost like Just go, go, go. And then when I need to figure something out, I figure it out in that moment, I either keep it or I let it go and then keep
2: going. Yeah, and there was no like, okay, here's my five-year plan. Yeah. (laughs) I had no plan. I didn't, you know, no intention of growing the team that I have now in the business. So I, I think that's so important in the beginning. And nobody really talks about that because there's so much about like focus and say no to a bunch of things, but it's like, you have to earn that right once yes. you're as expert at something already and you can specialize in that thing and if you don't know what that is you can't sit there and wait for someone to tell you what that is which so many people do Of like let me buy this program or this hire this coach or whatever because if they're going to tell me they're going to tell me what i need to do and they're going to do it for me but it's like you have to go burn that status by doing a bunch of things and failing at nine out of ten of them and realizing i hate this or i'm not good at this or like then you're going to strike gold at maybe that one thing, right? Like I had no, marketing was not on the radar until I got into virtual assistant, which I am naturally like, I can schedule appointments and I can like do basic admin stuff. And it was like, okay, I can make money doing this. That's $18 an hour. And then it just led to the next thing. But I humbly went into it with, you know, it's $18 an hour and I'm just going to work my apps off until I'm successful and I can earn the right to move up to the next level. And nobody can do that for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm i so glad that you're saying this because I don't feel like an echo chamber either because the way that you describe it of like having to earn the right, like I still do that every day. Like, you yeah. know, I go in and like, we had one of my companies, it's like our creative team was kind of slacking and they're like, we can't do this. And so literally this was eight months ago. I didn't want to buy new equipment. I went online, I rented $15,000 of camera equipment cost me like 800 bucks. And I was like, I have seven days to figure this out. And I showed up And by day four, I figured out every shot they said they couldn't get. I filmed them myself. I edited myself. And I tell people, I was like, no, I'm not getting paid for that. I need to outwork my staff. I need to outpush and outgrow. And I love that though, because I I love how you said like the focus thing. It's like, yeah, customer journey is my thing. Like email marketing is my thing. Like mindset and self relationships my thing. But I only know that's my thing because even today I tried like 11 things that I was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Or- I won't say yeah. that again. And, exactly. and, I, and I love hearing you talk about it as well because, you know, one of the things I talk about and I think you embody this so perfectly is that I watch entrepreneurs and, and I'm going to ask you a question after this. So it's kind of a lead in. I watch entrepreneurs like not realize they're cementing their feet where they currently are. And then in search of what to do are actually deepening how stuck they are because yeah. it's like, I'm going to consume more. Uh, I'm going to wait for somebody else to tell me. I'm going to read another book. But if we're not in motion, that actually just becomes more overwhelming evidence to stay stuck. Yeah. And I look at it like I I use analogies all the time, but I look at it. It's like, if you tell me in a year you want to run a marathon, you can read every book you want. You can buy the best shoes you want, best gear you want. But if you don't put your shoes on and hit the pavement today, you'll never run the race. Yeah. And I, and it sounds like this is why you and I get along so well. I'm like, I want to run a marathon. What do I know? Nothing, but I should probably go run today.
2: Yeah. And then as
0: I, and then as I run, like what worked, what didn't work? Is that kind of like the philosophy that you use?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like, just start and be making progress and failure is still progress. Like something not working is still progress in that learning experience. And it's like, and and as you were talking, one thing I was thinking is like, you don't outgrow that either. Like no matter how successful you are, if you want to get to the next level, you still need to be exercising this and doing those new things and those uncomfortable things and, and going in motion and just taking action because you can't go wrong with that. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is you ma- learn something <laughs> and never do it again. But then you've learned that thing and now you move on to the next thing. And so I totally agree.
0: Yeah. And have you found too, like, In the same lens of like fitness, it's like uh, when the stimulus continues to come at the same level, your body gets accustomed to it. It doesn't grow. Yeah. I feel like now I have to push and try things that are so much scarier than anything I ever did before just to even learn the lesson. Yeah. Just to kind of keep that stuff going.
2: Yeah. And just to put yourself in uncharted territory, right? Constantly, how do you do that? It just, it gets bigger and bigger what you need to be doing. And then you end up doing things that you're like, wow, I never thought I'd be doing this. Like you asked me three years ago, because I just keep doing that. I just keep showing up and doing that.
0: Yeah. And, and I love it. And just so everybody listening, I'm leading this on purpose because I wanted to hear this from Emily, because this is what makes marketers that are successful, successful. Mm -hmm. Now, you live in a world now where you get to see the market change every single day, right? The platforms, the updates, the algorithms, the state of the world affects what you do in your job and how you communicate to that. And and I think one of the things that I've noticed in the last I don't know 13 years, but really in like the last 3 years is I'm watching people still do the things they were doing three years ago and two years ago and five years ago. And it's probably the number one mistake that I see that they're like romantic about it. And I kind of wake up every day with this clean slate. I'm like, I lost my business yesterday. I lost my wife yesterday. I lost my kids yesterday. I lost my friends yesterday. And how am I going to earn them back today? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the lens in which I see marketing because even in the last three weeks, I've tried 11 things. And one led to a hundred grand phone call. Seven didn't work. Two led yeah. to a keynote. And then one led to a TV show kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, this is really, really good. And it's like, how do you see this state of marketing and like things that are changing? And And I kind of want to ask it through the lens of like, you have all these clients, you have these incredible humans, because I know how discerning you are with who you work with. And so you have these people that have a mission, they have an impact, they have it. But before they start working with you, like, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see them making that they don't maybe realize, but because you have this beautiful lens and oversight, you're able to help identify.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the the first thing. I love what you said, because that's yeah. so relevant, especially in the last year of going off the mindset of like, well, this offer sold a year ago, so it has to work now. And so it's like, there's no willingness in, in many cases. And, and a lot of people have been slapped with this, like in the last year because of iOS, because of COVID, because of all the changes in the last, I guess, two years. And just the the unwillingness to pivot and trying to live in that denial of like, well, work before. And I get a lot of people, whether it's like an audience or people who want to work with us who are like trying to replicate their best month they had two years ago but they haven't changed anything. And they're like, but it worked this one time. So maybe if I just hire the agency or I do this thing, like I'll be able to replicate that when really, if you're not pivoting and evolving, you're, you're going to be left behind. And the other reality is, it's just speeding up at the the rate at which we have to change and evolve. And some people get really overwhelmed and exhausted by that, but if you look at it as like fun and a challenge and you just like ask yourself, how can I do better? How can I evolve? And, and look at how, you know, what is my audience going through right now? What is, what are my customers, my leads going through? And you listen, it's easy. You just, you know, solve the problems that they're having and you meet them where they're at. So I think right now in, in this current state, that is a huge mistake that people are making and and just denying themselves the reality of like ad costs and, The changes that have happened and the saturation in the market and just the distrust that's out there in terms of like webinars and courses and all the things and the fact that people don't even really want that many courses anymore if there's not one-on-one support in it. Like all those things that if you just listen for a second to your audience, you'll just click, you know, in a week. So that is a huge mistake. People are currently making that mistake a lot and we are setting them straight with that.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And I want to actually, I want to dive into that one a little bit too, because I think you and I have this lens of like, we think like this, but this has come through years and years of smashing our, what felt like to me, head on the wall of like, how do I get in? How do I understand? How do I do it? And so when you say like, listen to your customers, right? I know what that means, but like, can you explain like, kind of like how you see that, how you go about that? how you yeah. find those connections, because I think it's really important.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the best things I can say to do is actually get on calls with with your audience and with your customers and, and interview them and ask them what they're struggling with. I know you went through a big transformation with COVID. I did too last year with iOS. And when things were feeling hard and it was like, why is this not selling? We talked to 50 of our customers. We got on one-on-one interviews. And we we're like, that's the only way that I know how to figure this out is like not guess and sit there and try to speculate, but to put myself in their position, to ask them what they're struggling with, and then to come up with the solution. And I redid both my offers in the last year because I had to meet people where they were. So it means listening to the struggles, to the frustrations, to the, the new struggles that they're having too, because things are always changing. And then your job is not to ask somebody like, what do you want? You know, and then just go make it. It's to ask them what they're struggling with and maybe what they're trying and things that haven't worked. And then your job is to now come up with the solution for them. And I think people get that wrong too. They're like, okay, I'll go ask my customers, like, what would you buy from me? And there's that famous saying of, um, if Henry Ford asked like people what they want, they would have said a faster horse and then automobile. And I love that because it's like, also your job to serve your customers is to come up with the solutions for them to the problems they're experiencing, but you have to be in tune with the problems they're experiencing.
0: Yeah. And this, I, I want to unpack this a little bit. Cause this is, this is probably numero two on my list. Like number one is like, it's almost like that romanticism of it used to work and the denial, like being a yeah. huge one and not willing to pivot. But number two is this one and it's, I'd say this is probably the one that gets the biggest amount of momentum for me with every client, every one-on-one client, every company I come consult. It's that, you know, everyone's like, George, like, how did you scale that business? I was like, well, I actually took time to pay attention to what people were saying and not saying. yeah, And then we created solutions. And, and I think as marketers and entrepreneurs, I know for me, one of the things I like to remind people of, as you said this a minute ago, it's that Our job isn't to get them where we are. It's to meet them where they are. Yes. And then bring them forward. And I think all too often, I summarize this down of like, we're translators, like me and you speak French, but Mm -hmm. the people that we're talking to have only taken one French class and they still need it in English. But in Mm -hmm. that process of meeting them there, they start to pick up different words and kind of move in. Ah. And so this is something that I see more than anything. And like you know, zero point data always works. Get on the phone call, yeah. get on yeah. all of it. Um, another one, and I would I would be curious to hear your thoughts on this because I know a lot of your clientele aren't solo person shows; they have a team, right? And one of the other big holes that I see this in that I help communicate with is that I'll see the CEO or the entrepreneur, the face think they don't know, but they've also never given the space to their team, and their team typically knows. They're like, no, you yeah. see it because they're
1: Absolutely.
2: they're
0: interfacing. Like, do you see that too?
2: Yeah, I mean they're on the front lines. Like that's kind of the experience I have is like my ads managers are working with clients. I'm not, and so I when we went through the revision of our our, our, um, offer, we did like a two hour call with our ads managers saying like, how do we make our offer the best out there? What would you do if you were the CEO? What would you do? What would you add? What do they need? And it was things I would never have come up with or I would never have seen because I'm not in that day to day a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's huge. I think that's huge, and so. In this lens of like listening to customers, like we have phone calls, like what are some of the other things that you guys do or you recommend or people can do to kind of get in tune, right? Because we have yeah. group and we have social platforms and we're going to get yeah. the, but they're everywhere. Like, what do yeah. I do? Like, what are some of the things you do?
2: Yeah. I mean, the phone calls, surveys are great. And then anytime I do like a webinar or some live experience. I'm very strategic with the chat and making sure I ask the right questions and I see what people are saying. And like, we study that chat after the webinar and, you know, download the file and pay attention to that. And I think it's like whatever system you use, if it's a Facebook group or your social, you know, your Instagram, you just have to ask the right questions of, you know, what are they struggling with? Or if you could wave a magic wand, like what would be your ultimate outcome or just things that are asking the right questions to pull that information out in whatever platform you generally use. And I'll add like to what everything you were saying, I think it's important to note too, you're never done with this. Like no, you never I... get to a certain level and you're like, well, I know my audience. So like, I never have to talk to them again because I've got my ideal customer description. It's changing all the time, they're, like the struggles and, and what they're going through. And so that's where people are messing up is they're like, well, when I started my business, I made my ideal customer avatar seven years ago. And I haven't talked to them again, you know, and so this is never done. And not only are they changing, but you're also always improving, or you should be like, how do you create that deeper connection or solve those problems? And then the other thing I wanted to say is that this is like, even to something so simple as like your free opt in. I think people think that I, they need to talk to their customers to just figure out for their paid offer. But, it, you know, anything you do is an offer. A webinar is an offer, a lead magnet. And so you have to make sure that's addressing the right thing and that's attracting people and that you're listening for that too. And I think people don't put as, as much effort into that. Like they're just want you know the sale. And if you think about like, how do you serve someone just first to attract them and build that trust? And is that something that's going to be a huge win for them and is really connected? That's huge too.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm going to extend that because this is more of just to us amping each other up and giving everybody the same info i love this it's like you take the lead magnet same thing on social whether they opt in or not whether they follow you or not like when you're on other people's podcasts when you're doing instagram stories like when you're doing all these things it's like anywhere where your customers or potential customers are hanging out yeah the way that i like to think about it is like i feel like even in my marriage like my wife and i are the best we've ever been But on a weekly basis, that changes, not how good we are, but what's required to keep it that good. And I think about my son, who's five and a half, and how I talked to him two months ago is not how I talked to him today. And it's like, I know you and I see marketing the same, but it's so important to nail down what you said and do it even more, is that like underneath the label of marketing, it's basically for me, monogamous relationships, (laughs) one-on-one monogamous relationships scale. Because people are learning how to know, like, and trust us. And then we're showing up consistently saying like, we're here to help you. But that also means that like, if I just keep sending you the same thing once a week, you know, for four weeks or so, you're going to stop paying attention to it. And it's not going to fill your bucket anymore.
2: Yeah. Or you use this template or you funnel. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. (laughs) Of course. And like, I don't know if you've seen this, but I mean, you, you hit on this earlier and you're like, okay, people want things with more one-on-one. They don't want more courses here's yep. the most beautiful thing I found. It's actually easier to create products now because people just want time collapsed. Like we used to make yeah. like, remember like yeah. we'd have like six month or 12 month fulfillment courses like seven yeah. years ago. And it was the rage. I was like two grand, three grand, spend 12 months with me. And now I'm like, Hey, I'll do it in an hour for five. And they're like done. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: And like, have yeah. you seen that as well?
2: Yeah. There's the speed, right? Like, and, yeah. and it, we are entire society. I mean, look at Amazon and all these things. It's like, it's as fast as you can give me the results with the least amount of effort that I have to put in. That is going to you know, be the best offer, whether it's free, whether it's your content, it's free, it's paid. Yeah. People want that. And and people want the reason why the course is, is getting harder is because it requires so much time for yep. the, the buyer to put into to get the success. So by Giving high level, like quick one-to-one support. Now I have such a faster track to success. That's it yeah, an easier yes for me.
0: Yeah. And you said something earlier too. I wanna, I wanna talk about. When we were talking about like you listen to clients, right? Like, and I think this is for everybody. It's like our relationship with ourselves and our team, it evolves daily. Our relationship with our customers evolves daily, like needs change. And then like that sometimes that means like, oh, that course just because it worked three years ago or even worked a year ago or a launch ago doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in this yeah. time. But I think another mistake that I see is I watch people throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. So like, for example, uh, I have a private client who is in the middle of a launch and they were like 400 grand in the hole. And it was bad, like yeah. too much ad money spend, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we're kanking it, we're done, whatever. And I was like, no, no, stop. Yeah. We have two days left. Let's change it. And I was like, it's not actually what's in the course. It's the wrapping paper around it. The content is so valuable. But I tell people, I'm like, if you give a three-year-old an option to pick a present under the tree and one of them has Paw Patrol wrapping paper and the other one is a brown box, which one do you think they're going to choose? Yeah. And so I'm kind of tying a lot of thoughts together that you said because for people listening, it's like your content, principle-based content, the things that you teach the things that you have they're incredible and you can't ever devalue them but when you said like connect with the customers and you're like i ask in the chat like if you could have one thing solved in your business today what would it be it's not taking that and changing it it's taking that and copy and pasting the exact words that they use yeah to describe the wrapping paper so is, is that something you see too
2: yeah. And it's funny, I use the same term, the wrapping paper. I didn't know if you knew that, but I, so we didn't, I don't know, but it's perfect. For how frequently you have to do that on the front end. So like in the past, right? You could have a webinar that's the same for a year and it's just like ran, right? That just doesn't happen anymore. Like you can't have that. But that doesn't mean you have to just launch a bunch of new funnels constantly and have entire new marketing strategies. But the people want new. They want fresh. They want new. They want that constant stimulation. That's what we're up against, right? As as marketers. And so you don't have to change the back end necessarily. You have to change the wrapping paper frequently. So that could be like the positioning of the webinar, a new title, like a few updates, the way you position an offer, or maybe you add one component to it. So absolutely. And the frequency at which you have to do that, especially on like the front end of what you're doing and how you're trying to attract new people. It it has to happen like every three to six months now I would say. Whereas before, you know, people were saying, "Oh, just launch an evergreen webinar and it will be working forever," which was going to be my mistake number two is that it's easy <laughs> like that market.
0: Yeah. Is easy. <laughs> yeah. I well, I mean, like if there was an easy button for any of this, everybody would do it, and none of exactly. us exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think too, and you have this. It actually, I didn't have this until a couple years ago. Um, it took me a long time to fall in love that with the fact that every day was a new day and it was going to be different because all I wanted was like consistency and structure and predictability. And then I realized that there's ways to do that with principles and things, but it requires a little bit of change every day. And I think I know another mistake I see is I see people like we're talking about now, like, oh, it worked three years ago. But even in the beginning, thinking that if I do this once, it's going to last forever. If I, right identify this avatar it's going to last forever and, yeah. and you know there's a lot to be unpacked in that but you know like marketing and uh, like people laugh at me I was like every barista in my valley listens to my podcast every one of them yeah and I get coffee at the coffee shops like how's your day what's your yeah. name and then like trip form like what do you want to do in your life and they're like yeah. you know blah 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 I was like oh my god I have a podcast episode that you want to listen to it and then like no joke funny story my wife calls me yesterday she's out of town and she's like hey our nanny's out for the month. I was like, I know. And she's like, I have somebody coming over to help for the next couple of days. Her name's Summer. Uh, she'll be there at four. Summer walks in the door and she's like, I know you. And I was like, where do I know you from? She's like, I used to work at that coffee shop till they closed and I still listen to your podcast. Oh my gosh. And so my new nanny walked in the house yesterday and she's been listening to my podcast. I thought it was yep. absolutely hilarious. That's
2: so great. I love that.
0: Um. So. When you when you think about this, I want to actually go back to all the way kind of what you said in the beginning of like your intro, right? Where like why you fell in love with marketing and you talked about how you see that as not necessarily marketing or complication, but how can I deliver this kind of high class experience in as simply or minimum effectively as a dose as possible? Yeah. And it sounds like even if we think about the mistakes that people have made and it's like, hey you know, it might change every day and you're going to have to be connected to your customers. Like, I'd love to actually selfishly hear like kind of how your process is for like working backwards of like, this is where I want them to go. And like, how do I create this experience? Because what we see, and I know you see this, is like, sounds like, oh, my funnel's not working. I'm like, well, let me see it. And sticky notes. And they're like, I don't own enough sticky notes. And I was like, oh my God, like, okay, cool, right? And so I kind of like, Love to hear like your philosophy or like your thought process around like how you think about customer journeys and how you think about getting people there.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that I always start with like, okay, where's the end result for that business? Like if a new company is coming to me, like what should my strategy be? That end result, we started there and then just put yourself in the position like you are your ideal customer. You're going to come into contact with your brand one time. And and like, what is that experience and being kind of creative with it too of like, what would you want that experience to be? Like they see a podcast episode and it's about this thing and then you give them this free gift or a webinar or whatever it is. And then you, you know, ultimately bring them to the sale. Now, I do believe with marketing, there's core foundational principles that are never going to change. And so the concept of deliver value, create a gap that your offer can fill and then sell your offer with urgency, that's forever going to work. It's just how you do it and the messaging and the wrapping paper. So when when you talk about like creating custom experiences and, and those things, it, that doesn't equal complication and overwhelm. And that's, I think a disconnect is people think they need these like 20 step funnels and, and all these pieces. It. And if you break it down of just, I think it's build the audience. How are you going to do that? What content are you going to create? How are you going to provide value completely for free? And how are you going to be the best? If someone comes into contact with your content, let's start there. How's it going to be the best thing they ever saw? It is so valuable. And then you move to like, okay, how are you going to generate leads? How are you going to provide that value? And within that experience, create the gap that your offer fills. That's the important piece too, is people miss that. They are like, okay, I need to get value. So I'm going to give a free like 12 video series that answers all their problems and gives them like an overwhelming to-do list. And now they don't want my offer. So there's still strategy behind it, but it also doesn't equal complication. And so- you know we do use still a lot of webinars and and live challenges and experiences like that because those are foundational i mean it existed before digital marketing right people come to your house and like give you a valuable presentation or they go to the office building so like those are not going to change you just have to evolve with i think what has changed is like how long the webinar is or or the way that you're delivering you know at the speed at which people want the results that they're getting and so Those foundational things aren't going to change, but then you have to ask yourself, is this what my audience wants? And that's where I see people make the mistake of like doing a challenge because they saw somebody else do it, but their audience is never going to participate in a challenge or watch a 90 minute webinar. And so that's where you have to say like, is this what my audience wants and customize it for your business? And then it's like, don't be afraid to test so many questions I get asked, I'm like, I don't know the answer. You need to go try those two things and then you need to come back and tell me how they did and what worked for you because you don't know until you try that and you actually get the data.
0: I love it. So let me recap because I got three steps so far and I want to make sure these are nailed because these are incredible for everybody listening. Um, number one is like, how are you going to build an audience? Like, what is your message? And I'm assuming for you, it's like, what are you passionate about? What do you know that you can help people with? Like. Yeah. How do you know you can get them there? And then creating the content to figure out where you want to build an audience and how you're going to build it would be step one. And then once that's in process, paying attention and asking yourself, okay, how am I going to generate leads? Which means how am I going to get somebody in a committed relationship with an email or on phone calls? Yeah. But making sure that that's aligned to helping them identify a current gap challenge or problem in their life that you're yeah. able to help them fulfill, which by the way, if you are a personal trainer and you start posting content about cat memes, it's not going to help identify anything. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you the wrong attention, but we see people do that all the time. Right. And so right. there's that. And then once you generate those leads, I'm going to tie this all the way back into the beginning. I'm assuming the best place to, is to get in conversation, get in relationship, empathize, yeah. understand, and put yourself in that shoes to get some zero point data of like, How fast do they want it? What modality do they want? Do they want written? Do they want video? Do they want audio? Do they want workbooks? Like what's going to give your audience the best chance of simple success? And then step three is test because now you have a foundation of principles. This is my message. This is how I help. These are the people I want to help. I'm getting their attention and I'm getting it back. And now I get to test and figure out what order or what way in which those things work to create that offer or get them in.
2: Yep. And what messaging and how can you simplify it? Because there's, you know, your messaging is never done being improved, you know, improved and simple and clear. It's very difficult to do it. And it takes a lot of refinement to get there. And focusing on another mistake people make on that like final step is they are like, here's my offer. I'm going to tell you it's 10 modules and it's this and like all the what. And it's like the outcomes. What's the outcomes? Why do I want this? And and that's a huge mistake I see people making with their strategies is they get to the point of selling and they just tell you what it is. And it's like, yeah. why do I care about that?
0: Yeah, they read you the side of the box, right? Yeah. So like it includes this and this and this and this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one. I'm I'm guilty of that one as well. Not because I don't, hard, it it's, out, hard. But it's hard. It's yeah. hard.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, because like I've always challenged myself or struggled with it, not because I didn't know, but because I didn't spend enough time getting in the seat of the person
2: uh-huh. and
0: asking myself like, how would I describe what that felt like or what that yeah. want was in the space of there versus like here's the 12 step modules of the seven hour checklist right. and all the things you're going to do every day. that's actually going to make your success less likely because you're now overwhelmed in your body. Yeah. And so right. I have a question around this because you said it earlier. And I totally agree. Marketing principles are the things that you should build your life on, your business on. Strategies and tactics, they come and go every single day and they are not yeah. businesses, they are not sustainable, they're not there. But yeah. on that game of principles, there's one principle that I find people either hot or cold with, but I feel like it's a tightrope, and you have to run a unicycle down it and it's urgent yeah. because oh, we yeah. are yeah. A world where in our world we see the most false, inauthentic, myth aligned, lied yeah. urgency ever. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we see this very soft urgency, but urgency is not a marketing concept. It's a human concept or construct yeah based on Parkinson's law, right? We'll fill yeah. whatever container we create, we have that. How do you handle urgency, like ethically? Like, how do you see it? How do you incorporate it? Like, I'd actually love to hear your thoughts on
2: Yeah, this. I mean, I think that, like you said, urgency, it works and it's always gonna work. The key is that it's real. And, and yeah. because if you don't use real urgency, you're gonna instantly lose trust. And so the next time you say, oh, it's limited spots or whatever the the thing is you're trying to create urgency around, the people aren't going to believe you. Your audience isn't going to believe you. And so that's actually like a terrible strategy because it might work one time, but then the damage it does is going to be worse than than not doing that. So I encourage urgency, but it's real. So it's like, if there's a bonus, that's 72 hours. I don't care if someone comes in at 73 hours after, like you don't get the bonus. Next time when I say that, you'll take action and you'll do that. And you you have to operate that way and create, you know, bonuses and urgency and scarcity. I love that. And I think that because anyone is, if it's going to be taken away from me, I'm going to take action faster, right? That's human nature. So urgency is necessary to push people to make decisions and and to do something, but it has to be real or it may work one time, but the trust that you lose from doing false urgency it's like you never redirect the page or whatever. The card's never closed, all that stuff. Like I'm so not for that because it just does more damage than it ever could do good.
0: Yeah, there was a company. I'm gonna talk a little story about this. I think you'll appreciate it. They were a client of mine, a supplement company. I doubled their business in a week. They were doing 20 grand a day. We hit 60 grand on the fourth day, and then it maintained 50 grand and above and never went down again. After uh, I implemented customer journey, filled some holes because we were spending so much money and I had such volume, Yeah. but here's what's funny. Um, They ended up stealing a quarter of a million dollars from me and it was right before Thanksgiving. And I just left it. I, I was like, my wife is the best. Cause she's like, did you have any trouble sleeping? I'm like, no. Then she's like, walk away. You did everything right. You're good. That has nothing to do with you. And I'm like, great. And I thought this was really funny because I'm their avatar. So I get targeted with all of their ads and I watched and on Black Friday. They ran a very aggressive ad. And then it was like in January, I saw the ad again still running Mm -hmm. and it was working really well. And I heard a couple of people referencing they were talking about they're still running a Black Friday. They forgot to take it down. It's like, oh, this is going to hurt bad. They don't realize it yet. Right. And I think it was like March. If you went into the comments It destroyed them. And then they went on a business about three months later. Wow. And I don't know correlation wise, but I was like, I don't think people truly think about that temporary feeling and the permanent long-term damage that it caused. Exactly. Because you can't get it back once it's gone. Like once it's gone, it's gone. And it's not, I'm going to get them back. It's I have to go find new people again. But now you have an anti-marketing machine in the world. Right. That is basically like, why would you do that? They lied. They didn't do whatever. Yeah. And also, and, and I'm sure you think like this as well. This is actually one of the biggest holes I find in um, not even in urgency in offers and in funnels, but even in fulfillment with things. Like I'll watch companies like, hey, we'll send you that next week and they don't send it or you'll get an email in 20 minutes and it comes two days later or, yeah. Yeah. you know, like DM me and I'll respond in 24 hours. I, I yeah. think a lot of people miss how important the integrity of their word is and the follow through, because all it does is slowly erodes trust. Yeah. And every time there's a hole, like it's that analogy. It's like, yeah, you can nail a hole in the fence and you can hurt somebody and then you can take it out. But the hole remains no matter how many times you say sorry.
2: Yeah. Right, and, so and it's I, that experience that you're you're damaging, and you know the first impressions and the trust, and you can't redo that. Honestly, once no. it's there, it's there. So I completely agree.
0: Yeah, one of my laws in like the customer journey model, it talks about like, uh, and and Maya Angelo said it like people don't remember what to say; they remember what, how they how you make them feel. Yeah. And I was like, listen, you get the first impression once, and you either make it right, or you'll spend the rest of your life trying to recover it back to half right. of what it could have been. So
2: true, yeah,
0: and it's and and I, yeah. If, if you have a thought on that, go because I'm about to, yeah. I
2: it. think, I think that at the end of the day, it's part of it is because people, you know, it's a lot of like solopreneurs to bootstrap businesses and it's hard to keep up with all those things. But I think sometimes there's a lot of benefit in just slowing down and auditing all those little points. And cause I get it, you know, like you've got a tech problem and the email's not sending right, but it's like, how long has it been since you looked at those things and since totally. you, you looked for the, the areas for improvement, not just in the marketing, but also in the delivery. And that, I mean, I put more effort. That's one of my secrets. I tell people, it was like, I put more effort in my delivery than I do my marketing hands down. And I'm a marketer yeah, <laughs> because like the referrals and the reputation comes from that commitment. Of, of constantly improving that. And so I think that people are so exhausted from the marketing side of things and just like trying to get the customer that thing, unfortunately, it falls by the wayside. And then but you don't realize it costs way more to acquire a customer than retain one. So that experience, and even if it's like you're describing it before they become a customer, like the email is wrong, whether you like it or not, that's a, like a small hole that it could taint them becoming a customer in the future. So it's worth it to slow down and be really critical of all those components and also frequently look at them and make sure somebody has not broken and doesn't need to be fixed.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, I'm the same way. I'm a marketer, but uh, I think, you know, when I explain this to people, I'm like marketing's job is to get somebody to go from dating around to a monogamous relationship. Yeah. And once that commitment happens, the new job becomes to keep the relationship. And so no matter what we do, marketing is to get people to raise their hand, but the, the game doesn't even begin until their hand is raised and they come into the world. And yeah. then that's where marketing takes over because I feel like the efficacy of marketing is in what happens once they're in and it has to match what's advertised on the front. And that's how we scale most of these businesses. It's not like I tell everybody scale comes from retention, not acquisition. Yeah. Not acquisition at all. Right. Because if, if you're pouring water in a bucket with more holes in it, then you can pour water in like, they're never going to stick around. And Jonah Berger talks about this a ton in contagious, but, um, it was like two years ago, the last, the last stat was like 86% of all marketing was word of mouth. And the average consumer gives eight to 10 brand recommendations or non-recommendations in a 60 second conversation based on their past experiences. And so it's like, Oh, I watched this coffee shop. They were super rude. And like, oh, I watched this video yeah. from this person and it made me feel boom. And, and I think we forget that yeah. our job is to load people's guns with the ammunition of things that we want them to say. And if we don't, we're going to end up hearing things that we don't want them to say based on a lack of that follow-through yeah, in the customer journey. And so yeah. um, one question I have and one note I have is that like we talk about like, yeah, tech problems happen. You're going to miss things. Things get overwhelming. But one of the biggest things with you is like kind of this authenticity and transparency. And I found like, we're all gonna make mistakes. I've promised things and they haven't come out or we missed it or an email was broken. Yeah. But I also think one of another massive mistake I see is people's lack of willingness to be human and thinking everything has to be perfect. And I know that like, if I send out a wrong link, my team's like, what are i doing? Like send another email and say, I'm sorry, I was an (laughs) asshole.
2: Right.
1: here's the right link yeah. and they're like, it's how you,
2: you handle the mistakes hands down because because yeah. you're going to make them like you said like you if your business is what is our friend olive Sharpen say like yeah. if your business isn't growing if it's perfect so it's yeah. how you handle it. and even the biggest companies out there are making mistakes but the ones that you still engage with are the ones that handle the mistakes in a human way and own the mistakes for sure
0: yeah yeah and and that's i think a big one because like when i think about customer journey You know, it's funny, as I used to talk about customer journey in the marketing sense, and now the marketing customer journey is the third level for me. Level one is the customer journey with yourself. Like, how is your world designed to be aligned, consistent and congruent in that? Like, how's your day? Like, where are you focusing your energy on fulfillment, on follow through? Right. And then it goes to our customer journey with our team. Yeah. And like, how is that designed to get them in their strengths? And then it's the culmination of those two that gets applied into the customer and into the fulfillment. Yeah. And it's it's huge because it's the only reason I'm good at what I do is because I broke everything and you know I was the guy like my food blog was successful because I had a rule from day one that said I will respond to every comment and every email I ever get. And I'll never forget when my first video went viral. It got twenty one million views on a live video and I got eighty one hundred comments. Wow. And everyone's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to respond. And they're like, you're you're
2: nuts.
0: (laughs) And so here's what's funny, though, is I only got 8,100 comments because for the previous four years, I responded to every comment. And I'll never forget this. I didn't even have an offer at the time. All I did was I made sure I responded to every comment. And so it took me like two and a half days and I would break it up into chunks. And it was like, it wasn't like, oh, thank you. It was like, oh, my God, I appreciate your words, blah, 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 blah. Here's the craziest part. No offer. I got a couple hundred DMs and that video made me $175,000 because wow. I didn't have an offer. Yeah. What ended up happening is, is when I responded with a real response, they started DMing me like, hey, man, I could really use some help with this. Is this something you can help me with? Or I could really use this and I could yeah. really use this. And I gave a keynote. And I asked somebody in the audience. I asked the audience. I put slides. I'm like, how many would love it if you got 21 million videos views on every video? Everybody's hammered. I'm like, how many love it if you get 8,000 comments on every video? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, how many would love it if every video made you 175 grand? And everybody's hand went up, right? And then I paused, <laughs> and I said, how many of you would respond to every comment? And of 500 people, Emily, nobody put their hand yeah, up.
2: I believe it. Yeah.
0: And then I looked at them again. I said, how many would love to make 175 grand a video? And they're like, well, I'm like, yeah. and I winked. and like, how many of you would respond? And like one brave dude was like, I would. Yeah. Right. And I, I just think it's, it's so there, but in that I learned, I was like, oh, my job is to always have one next step for anybody who gives me their attention. Uh-huh. And so now the biggest lesson I learned is that like, if I ask somebody to raise their hand, or if I ask them to email me, or I tell them to DM me. In my phone, I have preloaded the five next steps that anybody could go into coming to my world. And so it stays there, but that's something that I learned through that lesson.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure you make the steps really easy and really valuable. And that's also the key with that too, is like, it's very easy for them to take the next step and it's value more value for them.
0: I don't think I've asked for an email address in probably like two years. Uh, I tell everybody my job now is to make it as hard as possible to give me your credit card or your email. Yeah. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, because when you decide to, you stay. Yeah. And so yeah. like, yeah, like my trainings, my customer journey trainings, like people listen to this podcast. No, I was like, guys, shoot me a DM and then get a couple hundred DMs. And I send it back and they're like, you didn't even make me opt in for this thing. I'm like, why would I? I do I even know if it's a good fit. Why don't you yeah. watch the training?
2: Yeah. And
0: then if you want more of it, come back.
2: Yeah. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love it. So I want to be respectful of your time and my time. We're going to have to do this again. Yeah, you know. We go all day. I (laughs) I have so many questions. I have personal questions. And then I'm going to come on your show and we'll see what we uncover on that one, which will lead to the next
2: one. Okay.
0: Um, I'll say this and and I'm going to do this for you. Um, I consider you somebody that I can wholeheartedly trust and recommend that is fully aligned and believes and lives exactly what they teach. And you're one of the few in my Rolodex of people that I recommend. Uh, and so I just, number one, want to thank you for that. Like from the bottom of my heart, you are way fucking smarter than me. And so I have notes to take and I appreciate that. Um, number two is I also love the value that you put into the world, the way that you do your podcast, like how much you give away and what you do. And so we were talking before the call and I was like, where should we send everybody? And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to make this really, really easy. I'm just going to send you to her website because you can get a marketing audit you can get a facebook ads what was it like a a swipe file yeah
2: yeah
0: your podcast is on there which is incredible and i will be a guest soon or next week or this week or sometime next week or something like that and it will come out but um i don't know how this feels for you but like for everybody listening when i decide to take over the intro to the stuff it's because i really believe in it and i'm going to send this podcast to my team to listen to after so we can take some notes and make sure that we're aligned and so if you are listening to this, I need you to do yourself a giant favor and be willing to stretch and willing to learn and go to her website. It is hirschmarketing.com without a C. Uh, will you spell it for everybody, please? So yeah. can you voice? H-
2: yeah. H-I-R-S-H is hirsch. Yeah. Marketing.com. Hirsch, yeah.
0: hirschmarketing.com. Not to mention it's a beautiful website to be really, really frank with you, but you'll get everything you need. Grab a podcast pick one, listen to it, try something, put it into practice, take the marketing audit. I mean, like, uh, go take a peek. And if you want to understand why she's qualified to give the advice she is and why when I saw her and caught up, I'm like, Emily, if I need help, can I call you? Can you answer some (laughs) questions for me? Because by the way, your brain works way better in structure than mine. I feel like I'm like a hot mess throwing spaghetti everywhere. And I figure out what works. And I stick and you're like in frameworks, which like makes my heart happy because I don't have that strength, but she's overqualified to help you. And so please make sure you go to Hirschmarketing.com, You check it out. You do all that stuff. Did I miss anything?
2: No, you did great. And it was okay. so much fun.
0: Yeah. So I have one question that I end every episode with, and I can't okay. wait to hear yours. Okay. And so- uh, we've been going for fifty-seven minutes. So imagine we just men-in-blacked everybody, and they forgot everything that was said, okay. or they just came into the podcast at this moment. Okay. And for the next however long you want, you have the ability to tattoo wisdom on their soul that they will take forward with them for the rest of their life. They'll never forget it. It will be left with them. What would be your tattoo wisdom for everybody hearing this?
2: Okay. Um. No, no pressure. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go the route of marketing and say one of our core values, which is marketing always works. It's just a matter of win. And that win is related to your commitment of all the things we talked about, your, your connection to your ideal customer, your commitment to fail and to try new things and to constantly be better and commit to the process and the data and the refinement and the testing. And so I see a lot of people go like, Facebook ads don't work for me, or this doesn't work for me. Marketing always works. It's it's not magic. It's not like somebody has something you don't. Know. It's that commitment. And, and the good thing is you're fully in charge of when that success is going to come and if you're going to get it or not.
0: That should be in a fortune cookie. It would just have to be an extra <laughs> large fortune cookie. I love that. Everybody hit rewind. If you're listening on Spotify, just hit the back button five times. I think that will get you there and listen to that again. I don't know what Apple says. I only listen on Spotify. Yeah, That was beautiful. Um, And so, so profound and so spot on. So thank you. Um, And thank you so much for being here and giving us the gift of your time and being a friend and just being incredible and being a leader and just doing all the things the right way as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as a team lead for 23 people and all the people that you've helped. Uh, just for everybody listening, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's great to be surrounded by company as powerful and amazing as you. So thank you.
2: Right back at you. Thank you for having me. I look forward to lots more conversation.
0: Oh, there's there's plenty. I have a couple <laughs> of questions when we're done hitting record. So for everybody listening, make sure you go to hirschmarketing.com and stock Emily everywhere on the interwebs, because I think you'd be committing a great mistake by not doing that, but that choice is yours. You don't listen to the podcast to not do what I say, so I would highly recommend taking that action. So without further ado, I'm going to cue the outro so you will either see me in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs, but most importantly, remember, relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the
1: one with yourself. So have a good day, and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television.